Hi, I'm Joe, this month's host of The Commentarians. And I'm Katie, Joe's wife. Hooray, we're married. (laughs) And we're here to talk over your movies. (laughs) Uh, Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. (laughs) I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. Jesus doesn't cover that. Welcome, everybody, to The Commentarians. Uh, As you heard before, I'm Joe, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Katie. Hi, how's it going? Good. So uh, we're here to do Brooklyn, uh, directed by John Crowley, and starring Cersei Ronan, Emery Cohen, and Dylan uh, Domhnall Gleeson. And uh, yeah, so uh, we have a bit of a history with this movie, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Katie. Uh, what I don't know what to say about myself. I'm not very exciting. I'm you, an accountant. Yeah, you, <laughs> and you work for the city and the county. The county. Oh, the <laughs> county. And uh, yeah, we've been married a uh, little less than a year. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about this stuff uh, during the movie. But uh, yeah, so what do you think of the movie? Let's start with that a bit. What do I think of the movie? It's a beautiful movie. Absolutely. Well acted, amazing um, colors and story, and just they make the characters very um, relatable, you know, and their interactions with each other. You can see one reason we love this movie is that it's very easy to see, oh yeah, I can see how that's a relational situation and everybody, you know, maybe not everybody's been in that situation, but everybody's been in a situation where that relates. And yeah. uh, I think it's just very well played out. And so, yeah, this is uh, so this is going to be very exciting. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it's available to rent anywhere. Ugh, I will say this, this is kind of lousy, but uh, if you watch the two-minute, I think, 43-second uh, trailer on YouTube, it tells you everything <laughs> about this movie. It hits every beat. It tells you ev- it spoils the entire movie. So if you don't want to watch the movie, then just go to YouTube <laughs> and watch that, and you'll know everything that happens in the movie. But uh, we should get started, so we can just start talking. We're going to be talking about our marriage, our engagement, uh, and I lost the remote. I have it. Oh. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be talking about our marriage, our engagement, how we met, all that fun stuff. So uh, without further ado, we're at all zeros. Uh, get ready uh, as usual. If you're not watching, that's okay. You don't have to watch. We'll just be talking about this movie broadly. We're going to be referencing the movie usually, like we usually do, but uh, you don't have to be watching it to enjoy it. But if you are, we're going to do the countdown. Uh, three, two, one, and play. And then you press play and we'll be synced up. So here we go. Three, two, one. Play. And that brings memories back to me of oh. when we would watch movies long distance. Yeah. When we were first dating, well, the whole date time we were dating and uh, being long distance and watching movies in the evening together and 
texting each other or being on the phone. All right, ready? Three, two, one, play. And then we text back and forth as we watch the movies yeah. together. Like that's a how... modern day when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, so that's how we got to know each other. We, uh, we texted back and forth and we watched movies together that way. So here we have the beginning of the movie. It started with the searchlight. Now you see a girl turning off her lights and opening, coming outside. Uh, this takes place in Ireland in the 1950s. Here's Cersei Ronan. Uh, it's very dark because it's the morning, uh, early morning as she goes to her shop. And so, how did we meet? We, uh, we got, we, how did, we became aware of one another through Twitter. Yeah. How did you come out, become aware of me? We... Uh, followed, uh, uh, we had a mutual follow, as they say on, on Twitter, um, that we both followed, uh, author Joy Beth Smith, mm -hmm. uh, who had a book coming out. She was promoting it. It sounded really interesting. I started following her. You were following her. Um, and we both liked, uh, you know, liked and would comment on her posts. Uh, and so that was kind of the first awareness of each other. Uh, but then as I got more excited about her book coming out and read it myself, um, I saw through posts on Twitter that you had interviewed Joy Beth on your other podcast, Drinking a Bible Study. And uh, so I was uh, interested in the interview and, and listened to the podcast. I remember I was on a train uh, down to Southern California to see my parents and listened to it and of course, enjoyed the interview for what it was because Joy Beth is uh, very entertaining and, and enjoyable to listen to, but really was taken with this podcast host and his uh, his great mannerisms and way of interviewing and particularly that laugh that was about to come out there. I loved listening to your laugh, so I started listening to more of your podcast and uh, developed some interest. <laughs> And I became aware of you because through Twitter because you started commenting on my comments, mm -hmm. and we started uh, tweeting back and forth. Uh, I think we started liking each other through Hamilton gifts. Yeah, I'd say something and you'd respond with a Hamilton gifts, and you'd say something and I'd respond with a Hamilton gift <laughs> because we were both huge fans. Yeah, and I gotta be honest, I actually looked you up. You still had a Facebook at the time, so I found <laughs> you on Facebook, and I looked you up and like oh you uh you uh you know you live in california but several hundred miles away <laughs> this huge state <laughs> yeah and so you i thought oh she lives too far so i can't ask her out or anything so that was kind of a bummer and then you tweeted something in response to somebody else's tweet <laughs> uh -huh. what was that well our beloved nicole cliff who is only occasionally on twitter these days uh posted um basically that she would like to see more more twitter mutuals get together and and posted something about and i have it saved somewhere on my phone uh post some t tell tell twitter who of your mutuals you'd go on a date with mm -hmm. uh, if they asked and uh or something to that effect and so i i Decided to take the plunge and figured it is a bit of an anonymity with Twitter because if this goes badly, I can just burn my account to the ground and start <laughs> over. So, so yeah, I responded and, and admitted, I think I said that I had an audio crush on you. Yeah. Because uh, your handle at the time was still the drinking of Bible study uh, handle. And uh, 
Yeah, there that that uh, produced a little bit of flirting. Yeah, so I'm like, I said that I was flattered, and if we were mm-hmm. go on a date, then would we sit at different tables and just listen to each other talk? Yeah. And uh, then you private messaged me because again, I would have asked you out, but you, yeah. I felt you felt you were too far away. Yeah. And then you reached. There was out. enough of a positive response to the initial tweet that I had a little more confidence and decided, you know what. I'm going to private message and, and caveated it with, hey, if I'm a total creeper, you know, or if, if the answer is no, feel free, we'll go back to just tweeting each other gifts. Yeah. But, but yeah, I told you that my, my folks were not very far from, from you and I visited them frequently and if you ever wanted to get a drink, I'd be happy to. Yeah. And so we went out on a date. We went to BJ's, yep. BJ's Brew House, mm-hmm. and uh, we started talking and we really connected. Yeah. And so there you go. So that's how we met and started dating. We started going out. Every time you came down, we'd go out. We'd spend our evenings together and yeah. stuff. Sometimes the entire day. You know? Well, yeah, that's how it had to go. I mean, if I was coming down on a Friday night, leaving again on a Sunday, and then your work schedule, uh, luckily we managed to sync those up a bit, but mm-hmm. we'd usually have about one day or two-thirds of a day to spend with each other and over the course of you know, three weeks or so, we would have one day. And so we'd spend all day together. And those were our dates. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and I'd come up to visit you. Those were better Mm -hmm. because I could request an entire weekend. Right. I'd go take the train up and, uh, you know, we'd meet each other at a bar and, you know, we'd (laughs) hang out, you know, I'd stay at a hotel and, you know, you'd come and pick pick me up up every morning. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how we got to know each other. And, uh, well, if you're watching the movie, uh, we we're getting to know, uh, uh, Eilish, uh, and she uh, told her boss that she's away to America. And the reason I wanted to talk about this was because uh, about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, a year next month, we got married. Mm-hmm. And I had to basically move from Los Angeles to the Central Coast. and uh, Which, if people are uh, not familiar with California uh geography it's about 200 miles north of la but it's directly on the coast pismo beach is somewhat known um, but it's just north of santa barbara yeah and i basically moved to a town where i don't know anybody i don't have any friends here i don't know anybody except for you and it's kind of this huge step for me because i grew up in los angeles i fell in love with the city and i moved i uprooted my entire life and came here away from friends and family, and uh, now it's just, you know, and a little harder than that, it's that it's during, some things have made it easier, it makes some things harder during a pandemic, so I can't even meet anybody new, right? or go out with friends if I have friends, you know. Go explore your new town. Right, luckily I'm a bit of a, you know, shut-in, a bit (laughs) of an introvert, so it's not that bad, but uh, yeah, I can't go out and meet new people, but... And so I thought that this was a great movie because this is about a young woman who leaves Ireland, moves to America. She gets a sponsorship from her uh, priest to uh, go to America, go to school, get a job, and start a career. And here we have a first, if you're watching, a first image of the beautiful colors that we have here. Uh, You can see her in her green sweater and her red hat. Beautiful. Gosh. Uh, this is such a beautiful and movie. clearly standing out. Right, she's different than everyone else. Right, and of course, very much like my mom, just very. Her mom just walks away, can't bear. She can't ha- like, 
she obviously loves her daughter and is going to miss her, but she can't sit in that kind of right. sadness. And so she just has to walk away. <clears throat> and so they kind of say goodbye to each other. And, you know, the mom leaves. Can't bear to watch her leave. And so that's very much like my mom. Very stoic. You know, when you, the last time you kind of drove me up, we packed your van of the last of my things. And my mom just came out and very, all smiles. Mm-hmm. You know, bye. She always is. Yeah. yeah. You know, not, not very, not sad. Just, yeah. oh, okay, bye. Yeah. You know, you know, come and visit soon. Even though she's seen you regularly yeah. your whole life and now is only going to see you every few months. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's basically what I wanted to talk about. Moving, and of course, a lot of the themes in this movie is, uh, you know, faith and being single and meeting new people and friendship mm-hmm. and stuff. So... Uh, here we have Billy. Uh, I keep. I'm gonna say Billy Eilish <laughs> because of the uh, the musician. I've not heard any Billy Eilish, yeah, so, but I everybody's talking about her. So there you go. But her name is Eilish. She's a great Irish name. Mm-hmm. The accents in this are brilliant, and so you know I'll be referencing that every once in a while. Uh, oh, and here we have something nice. Uh, a her cabin mate uh, just showed up. She's standing in a little cabin with a bunk bed, and uh, a cabin mate just showed up and becomes very good friends with her. Uh, we don't see her again no. in the movie, but she becomes very friendly with her right? and gives her advice and helps her, which is Which kind is of... not evident at the moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she comes off uh, very uh, brusque, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, she. Uh, there's a reason for it, and yeah. we actually get to see that reflected much later in the movie, uh, mm-hmm. even though we don't see her again. So I do like that. Yeah, um, and so she tells cemetery later. Says, "Okay, I'm gonna go out and explore the boat, and uh, you know, maybe if I meet a man, maybe I won't come back." <laughs> and so, I, you know, we see Alish here eating dinner in an empty cafeteria, <laughs> and it turns out that there's a reason why, because a storm's coming, and. Uh, Eating a giant bowl of stew might not be the best thing <laughs> on the high seas. Which is so, I can, you know, back in a time when the only way to, to cross the ocean was in a giant liner like that. I've never been that far out in the ocean, but I am sure that she was up for a miserable, yeah. miserable night here. I've only been, you know, cruise ship that stays pretty steady. Yeah, and close to shore. <laughs> and, you're, and you're supposed to eat a lot on a cruise. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Yeah, I've never been on a... I've been on a, a fishing boat, you know, here and there, but uh, just not, not a lot. And uh, I think I might get seasick. A uh, bit of a gross scene here. We don't have to talk about it, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, but... Um, so, yeah, so you kind of need... It's nice to have those kinds of friendships where this gal who is basically missing comes back to the cabin and finds her sick. And then offers her help right it just just being friendly yeah is a lot means a lot right you know uh, and then anything to mention there well i think it's worth mentioning that when uh they first meet uh, she says you know elish asks her why she's going to america and she says i'm going back to america mm-hmm. and uh 
And so clearly she's done this before. And so her empathy for Eilish is very high, even though she herself is now a woman of the world and knows this trip and knows how to, you know, get herself some first class passage or whatever. Sure. Uh, you know, she does have empathy for her and, and understands the type of night that she spent because probably we can guess she spent a similar night on her first trip. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, it's very understandable why she's so kind to yeah. her. Yeah, help from strangers it yeah. kind of means a lot, especially if you don't know anybody, you know, in this new place. Yeah. So. A bit of language here, but yeah. with the accent, you uh, can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, I don't know. For me, it hasn't been so bad because, number one, I'm a bit of a... You know, I'm a, I'm a little reclusive. I'm an introvert, so I don't mind staying home. Uh, our friendship, that's what's great about our marriage, is that we're not just, we don't just love each other as husband and wife. We're actually very good friends. Yeah, absolutely. And the friendship has been so great. Yeah. On top of just being in love. It's why we have so much fun together. Yeah. That uh, we don't, we we make each other laugh. That's... A thing that I realized growing up, uh, you know, when I told my friends about girls that I was dating is I'd say something like, oh, dude, she's so funny. Dude, we laugh all the time. And the reality is, is that I was funny and we <laughs> laughed because I made myself laugh and I made her laugh. And and, and my well, from talking to my sister, she tells me that like a lot of guys don't like women that are funny. And so they kind of restrain themselves, so that might be a big part of it, why a lot of women that I dated, but you, I found the difference between she thinks I'm funny and she's funny. <laughs> she's actually funny and can make me laugh, and you made me laugh a lot. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and that was a big, big thing that I liked about you. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's why this relationship <laughs> is pretty strong. And Men are just like women. <laughs> they do like laughing. Yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, that's a big reason why our marriage, I think, is... I mean, it's only been a year, but uh, I think it's been really great. Yeah. I don't know how long the uh, honeymoon phase <laughs> lasts, but it hasn't ended. Well, that's something ironic that I keep telling people. Not ironic, I guess, but just coincidental. You know, they ask how the first year of marriage is going, and... I kind of half-jokingly tell them, well, it was nice that the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders lined up so perfectly, aside from derailing our wedding, lined yeah. up so perfectly with our honeymoon period because most couples, when they do first get married, do kind of become shut-ins a little bit. They yeah. just want to enjoy each other, and especially us being long distance and going long stretches between seeing each other. One thing I was so looking forward to was just living together and plopping down and being on the couch together yeah. and yeah oddly everyone having to stay home and not socialize really <laughs> lent itself to that i didn't have to feel bad about not seeing friends and yeah so we've really gotten to develop that friendship and and enjoy each other's presence which a big thing that we you kind of enjoyed doing together like we meant like you mentioned before is we liked talking we liked watching movies together and tv shows together and we did it over text yeah and we kept saying i can't wait to do this together yeah. i can't wait to actually watch a movie sitting next to each yeah. other and now that's what we do yeah <laughs> because of the, a big part of it is the pandemic yeah. you know but we really genuinely enjoy being together yeah. like 
watching movies and TV shows together. And so that, that lines up. And our schedules, our work schedules don't line up. So there is also time for alone time. True. Which I can, you don't like horror movies. You don't like intense kind of thrillers or, you know, really emotionally, you know. Taxing Taxing movies. movies. You do sometimes watch them because you do like a good Sure, I like a good drama. Yeah. Yeah. And but selective. I can watch the movies that I want to watch, you know, when you're at work and I have the day off mm-hmm. and, you know, you can watch because I work nights right now. I don't like it, but that's right now. So you have, you know, times to watch your shows, something that I might not want to watch or <laughs> something or a movie that I'm not too into. I do watch a lot of musicals while you're at yeah. work. Yeah. And, and I do like a musical. Sure, you do, that. but I want... I like to watch them a lot. Yeah, you like watching them a lot. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that helps. That yeah. not, not, we don't just have the time together. We also have a few alone times, which, right. good and bad, I still would like to spend more time yeah, with Yeah, I think, yeah, it's not too out of balance, but, yeah, it's, it's working. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, and then here we have the first scene of Billy... Oh, God. I keep calling her <laughs> Billie Eilish. <laughs> of Eilish in her boarding home, house, where she lives with... Uh, owned by an older woman who houses uh, single women. You know? Uh, as we turn out, single for different reasons. I think specifically they're all Irish, aren't they? Yeah, I think yeah. that... And they all are Irish. Uh, with accents and without. Uh, but uh, they're living here together. And we get this, again, almost like a high school, popular kids and less popular kids, very beautiful women, and her, she's not as gorgeous as she is. Is We're supposed to, you know, kind of assume that she's not as pretty as the other girls and feels a little intimidated, especially because they like, you know, they have luck with boys and stuff. Sure. So Worldly New York women. Right. And what I love about this movie is that it, it it it's unlike a lot of other movies uh, where you know there's a lot of drama. You know, it doesn't follow the rat. It's just a regular movie. It's just a regular it's very life. everyday life. Yeah, everyday life exactly because there's no villain. There's no terrible person trying to destroy her. Right. You know, there's no scene where like her boyfriend cheats on her with one of the you know prettier Spoilers. girls. Spoilers, no, just yeah, kidding. exactly. <laughs> but. Nothing like that happens. It's right. just these are people genuinely just wanting to be good to one another, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and here we have her first day at work. She's very shy, you know, doesn't know what to say. And part of it, I think, has to do with the fact that she's very sad yeah. because she's not home. Well, and also context. All of these people that she's interacted with, her customer here, her coworker earlier, her um, boarding housemates. Uh, none of them know her. None of them, you know, have the context of her at home. Like when she was at the dance with her best friend back in Ireland, mm-hmm. she was she was very sociable, at least with her friend. She kind of turned her nose up at the boys, but would go <laughs> out and have fun. And, and now she's in a completely new situation and overwhelmed and, yeah, sad yeah. about being homesick. And, and so that's dampening her personality and they're they're not able to encounter that. We as the audience at least know who she is yeah. and know that she's acting out of character here yeah. and nobody else does. And so they could, you know, she comes off as rude or 
or whatever. And mm-hmm. really, she's just shy and sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, and this is like an excellent point that I was making is that her boss says, you know, if you have to treat everybody like she's very stern with her, yeah. you have to treat everyone like they're friends, you know, smile more. And she's acting very, I don't know, I guess a little mean. But then we find out that she's not mean. She's just being a boss. Yeah. You know, she might be a little Establishing standards. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, she's not the bad guy. And I love that, that her boss, who although was a little, you know, brisk with her, or that's not the right word, but a little mean, wasn't trying to be mean, was just being a boss. And she's actually very helpful to Ailish later on, you know, and... (laughs) You know, if a, a waiter flirts with her, which she doesn't know what to do. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's why I, I, I love this movie so much, and the the old style signs here in the cars. Yeah. Oof! I wonder because every one of these movies, you see these cars that are like beautiful and yeah. big, you know, but they're all shiny and nice. You know, and we see like a bunch of junk cars driving on the road all the time. There had to have been junk cars, you know, on the street back then. But in movies, it seems like they were all beautiful and shiny and, you know, gorgeous. But yeah. So a thing that made me make it made it easier for me coming home or moving here is that we're all in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And therefore, everyone has to communicate through zoom yeah and you know texting because everyone's nobody can go out people are more open to texting and calling right so that's helped a lot for me that i we spent was it was it wasn't this new year's it was it was the election it was the election night yeah yeah my friends just texted me and said hey we're on zoom come hang out i just got home from work (laughs) and i'm like dude let's jump on zoom and we just sat here Right, I, we were probably planning on watching the election, but uh, now we're watching with friends and we had fun, like you know, talking to friends. It was yeah, very casual. It was like hanging out at your friend's house because everybody was just eating food or doing their their thing and just yeah. talking through. Yeah, so that was so it's made it easier in that sense. You know, it's and here she gets a, a letter from back home from her sister. Oh, God, I love the way she said it at the beginning when she told her boss that she was leaving. She said, I'm, I'm away to America. Ah, that was... <laughs> I, I, I often say things in that, you know, slang from other countries because I love the way they say that. Like, uh, gosh, what do I say? I say? I say bloody. I say bloody a lot. Ah, bloody hell, I say <laughs> often. <laughs> Uh, and I think that that's not cursing, but that probably is cursing. <laughs> but I don't want to say an actual dirty word, <laughs> bad word. And now she's very sad. So, I, uh, you've been away from home. Yeah, yeah. I um, Well, I mean, I left home at 18 to go to college, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, unlike most college students, I actually just stayed uh, stayed here in San Luis Obispo for the summers. I didn't go back. Uh, I mean, I went to visit, obviously, but um, once I moved here, I, I felt like I live here. This is home. But I did do a study abroad program my junior year of college and spent four months in London. And that that was very, uh, I mean, I had, I had lived away from my parents for, what, two and a half years at that point. Um, 
and didn't didn't really have too much homesickness. I loved them, but I got to see them regularly. Being across the globe, uh, not only from them, but from California itself, mm-hmm. very overwhelming. And uh, it was great. It was an amazing experience, but definitely had some homesickness there. Yeah. So, yeah, it is it is very difficult for me because, and, and I'm sure the college made it easier that there were a lot of people mm-hmm. away from home, so you had that to relate to. Right. Uh, for me, I... I'm just moving. I just moved here, you know. <laughs> but again, it made it easier. Here's a, an interesting story that I have about Los Angeles and people being away from home. Is one year, um, it was Christmas, and a friend of mine, her boyfriend, had gone back home, and she had to stay because she worked in a coffee shop, and you know, and so she was very sad. And so I called her and I said, "Let's go out. Let's go out to a bar. There's got to be a bar open in Hollywood somewhere." You know, and so we went out. And here's the thing about Hollywood is it's filled with transports, filled with people from somewhere else. Every day, people get off the bus to make it here in Hollywood. And, you know, I'm not there now, but, you know, and so there's people from all over the country who come to Hollywood to make it. And they want to be directors, writers, actors, comedians, musicians, whatever. They have this dream. And the thing about those dreams is it takes years to get into it, to break in. And some people don't even make it. But you have a town full of people who aren't from there who they, you know, they're they're still, they can't afford to go back home because they have very basic, very low-income jobs. And so a lot of people can't afford to go home. And what we discovered, me and my friend, is when we got to a bar, it was filled with people who were at home sad on Christmas because they couldn't be with their families or friends. And they went out to drown their sorrows to a bar and they discovered a lot of other people had done that too. And it became this fun, communal in a place where people avoid talking to one another, in the, on this night, on Christmas, all of these people who are away from home could relate to one another. They had the same dream. They had this, they missed their families, and they could spend that together. And we had this great time hanging out with people from all over the country. You know, we, I, when we go to bars, we don't usually, unless, you know, you're flirting with somebody new, you don't go and make friends with people <laughs> at this bar. But you're able to tonight because it's Christmas, we're all away from home, and we can all be alone together in this place. And that was this really beautiful thing that happened inorganically, or or it happened organically, right? Right. So, it, it, you know, nobody planned on it, but it just happened. And so it's really... Uh, yeah, a lot of situations drive social... Uh, there's It's a social catalyst. Mm-hmm. So that situation you were talking about, it's Christmas and these people can't go back home. Um, when I went to college, a bunch of 18-year-olds who had never been away from home and had only each other to bond to. And so it's a very natural, easy environment to make friends in. Mm-hmm. I feel like the pandemic is the very opposite of that. Yeah. It's like it has made it impossible to to meet anybody and to... To for you know, except for some people have met on Zoom, but really there's no, uh, no, 
you can't be in a crowd of people, so you, you can't. So I get to be your crowd. Yeah. <laughs> the catalyst is then you, you being in, in my uh, circle here, yeah. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> this is, I get emotional every time this scene comes up. It's a, they're celebrating St. Patrick's Day at the church, and they have people from Ireland, they kind of feed them for the holiday, you know, to celebrate. Or is it Christmas? I think it's Christmas. It's Christmas. And so the and the, the, the priest was explaining to Ailish that these are steel workers. They they built the city. Yeah. They they built the roads, the buildings, the bridges, and they're away from home. They left home and they never went back. And so they just have this, you know. And this the, he invites a, a gentleman to sing a song from Ireland and it's like he's singing it in Gaelic I don't know what he's saying but it's the most beautiful song and you see the faces of these men who are missing home and of course you see Ailish also you know it's and they're drinking together <laughs> it's a, a great church that serves them all Guinness you know? <laughs> <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas <laughs> and so she's and as they're celebrating, as they're here, you know, you can still hear the gentleman singing. And, oh, it's such a, because it's heartbreaking that these men, they, they miss home. And they can hear, they can remember through this song, you know, what it was like to be there. And so, of course, it also, it's also touching for her, you know, missing home. Ugh. But yeah. So yeah, so uh, anyway, yeah, being away, I, but I have to say, and this is something that I was explaining to you, I think it was about time that I left, because I had my memories, I've created my memories, I created my, you know, I had my time there, and I could keep loving California, you know, Los Angeles and keep going out to, you know, exploring my city and you know, trying to find the best burger in, in Los Angeles. And I would have loved that, but honestly, it was time I moved on. It was a loud city. It was very crowded. And I didn't mind that. I liked that. But I think it was time for a change. So I don't miss it as much as I thought I would because I needed a change. You know, I have made enough memories that it's okay that I'm not there anymore, you know? So as much as I love it, and I still think it's one of the best towns in Los An in, in the world, I, you know, I, I don't need it. I don't need to be there from now on. Although you mentioned if you found a job there, would it be okay to move back? And I'd say, yeah, it'd be <laughs> fine. But uh, I'm not in a hurry to go back home. Yeah. I There's parts of me that just adore Southern California. You know, yeah. all of my family, I was born there, you know, lived there as a as a kid um, and went frequently to visit family afterwards and so I'm very tied to it but at the same time I think where I've landed is is just the right side you know Goldilocks is not too big <laughs> not too small it's just right and, yeah uh, so I'm not uh, yeah I'm not eager to to go back but would it should you know should the right circumstances happen yeah so yeah and uh she actually was is this a scene she was moved into the private 
room. Right, with the private entrance. With the yeah. private entrance. But she didn't, uh, the, the the woman who owns the house, the apartment didn't want to give it to any of the other girls because they'll bring boys home. But she trusts <laughs> Ailish. And so she gave her the room. And, uh, yeah, um, I was going to bring something up. And now I don't remember what it is. Oh, right. I hate New York. This movie is about Brooklyn, and Brooklyn's great and all, but I hate New York. Uh, I used to. I should say that. And so, yeah, you love New York. I do. You think it's great. I've never been, so it's weird that I hate it. So my opinion counts, and yours doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Good point, though. But I will say that, well, the reason I hate New York so much is because I grew up in Los Angeles, and all I heard from people from New York or people who visited New York and came back here is how horrible Los Angeles is and how amazing New York is. And so all I heard from New Yorkers who moved to Los Angeles, they left their city and moved to Los Angeles, said, ugh, there's no culture here. Oh, there's no culture. We got culture in New York. Oh, we got pizza and bagels. Oh, we got museums. Oh, there's nothing like that here. Just because they never left their their apartment doesn't mean we have museums. We have food. We have everything every major city has. The fact that they didn't explore it. And it's not like they went to museums all the time when they were in New York. They, that's the extent of the culture that they knew were bagels and pizza. And they think that, that that's culture. And, uh, I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> and I always follow up that rant with, of course, you're not actually hating New York where you've never been. You are hating <laughs> animals who... Excuse me, am I allowed to swear? No, but I will bleep it. Okay. <laughs> You're hating the people who are hating on your beloved city. Right. And if you actually went to New York, you'd have an objective opinion. Right. Because, and again, the what, what especially because television likes to show the worst parts of New York as kitschy and, and nice. When I, but from, again, from people... From a lot that I've heard, there's actually a lot of very nice people. There's beautiful parts of the city. There's beautiful. There's a lot of great things to do. Of course, there's great things to do in New York. If you know the biggest city in the world would have to have that, but yeah, I, I've just heard the worst parts of it, and yeah, and well, and here's if we're watching the movie. Uh, we see uh, Ailish is at a dance, and she meets a boy. Who seems to have a Brooklyn accent <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, getting along? She's dancing with them, and you know, one of the things I really like about this scene and the one just prior to it is that, you know, we spoke earlier about her being sad and shy and and not coming off to people the way that she really is because she was dealing with the change and everything else, and so now we're st- starting to see her come out of her shell. Mm-hmm. And yes, she is a good girl. Uh, the landlady gave her the, the private entrance room and stuff. Um, but at the same time, she's not some prim, shy, you know, bookworm. You know, she isn't that stereotype. And we see in this scene that the girls who had originally come off as gossipy and, you yeah. know, maybe even a little bit biting in the beginning... She actually runs into their care in this scene. She's with 
this other girl who again also comes off as maybe a prim you know whatever in the beginning and then ends up being quite um witchy and (laughs) and in comparison she she realized oh these girls are actually my pals i've enjoyed living with them runs to them says help save me and and i find it interesting you know sometimes the best thing to unite women is a common enemy <laughs> and uh, you know they they uh welcome her they're like oh yeah no we we like you too like let's give you some lipstick and whatnot and yeah. uh and it's quite endearing that that she gets to bond with them yeah and so and you know, this is a funny scene because you know this guy from brooklyn he's like i'm not irish i'm i'm italian and she's like yeah you don't sound irish and he's like, what? Don't they have Italian dances? And he's like, yeah, but I like Irish girls. So. <laughs> and it's a, a really nice little meet cute moment. That, uh, you know, a, a nice boy comes up and says hi. And that, and that she gives him a little run for his money. Gets to be a little sassy. I like that. Again, yeah. as she starts to come into her own again, she... she you see a little spice. Yeah. It's quite fun. She, again, she isn't some prim little bookworm. She's got a personality, and we like that. Yeah. So, dating and singleness. Yeah. Let's talk about singleness, because that's how we met. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned yeah. that Joy Beth uh, Smith was an author. She mm-hmm. actually writes about being single. Yep. And we both followed her because of that. Yep. Because she wrote a ton of articles on being single. That's how she came, you know, famous enough to get offered a book deal. Mm-hmm. Being single in the church, being a Christian single. And then wrote a book. And that's how we both kind of... Which, by the way, we should just plug right now. If you're interested, oh, yeah. it's called Party of One uh, by Joy Beth Smith. And uh, endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that good of a book. And she's created this following of single women who you and know, some single men and some single men uh, you know but obviously the uh, yeah, yeah the it, majority is women and so yeah the, all the being single in the church seems very difficult mm-hmm. and why why is it so difficult <laughs> well I definitely uh, think most people would agree or most single people uh, as we've seen uh commented on in Twitter is that the church very much has uh, gone down a road of idolizing marriage it seems yeah uh, you know getting getting married and having babies very much the uh, epitome of all circumstances right whereas if you're you know God loves us for who we are wherever we are mm-hmm. the church seems to see being single as a wait station mm-hmm. before you're fulfilled. Yeah. You're not yet fulfilled until you get married. Right. As opposed to... And yes, it's fine that we all want to get married. We all want to m- meet a partner. We'd all like to be in a relationship. You know, some people would more than others. Some people don't want that. Yeah, I wanted want to that. clarify, yeah. not all people, but, right. but some, most, yeah. Well, yeah, most have people a have a desire to be in a relationship. But that doesn't make you less complete, less fulfilled. Right. You know, you can be where you're supposed you're to be. You're a whole person, no matter what situation you're in. Right. And the church right. sometimes tends to tell people that they're not. Right. Inadvertently. I don't think they, they literally say that. But right. if they glorify marriage so much, yeah, then it kind of comes off as, oh, so if you're not married, then there's something. 
right. wrong with you. And if you are single, then it's let's pair them up, let's pair them up, let's pair them up. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> and I think some of the frustration for single people is that they they would like that they they you know. Well, if you want us all to be married so much, give us some help. And there, there isn't. There isn't a lot of um, assistance in... Especially it needs to happen on a more organic level. It needs to be friends pairing up friends, that sort of thing. Hey, I know someone you get along well with, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of churches try to do like single mingle mixes, things like that. But, but especially with the high majority of, you know, churchgoers being women and... There's a shortage of men. Like, those things just don't pan out very well. And so there's a frustration among singles of, you know, people almost lamenting that they're single. You know, married people, leadership, whoever, lamenting, oh, I'm sorry, you're not married yet. Why aren't you married yet? You're amazing. You're such a catch. I can't believe you're not married yet. Which I said. (laughs) But then not reaching out to help, not saying, you know, I know somebody. (laughs) That's the big thing that's missing is, you know, I know somebody. And, um, you know, everything else becomes a lot of platitudes. And uh, that's not what single people need. Yeah. They need true friendship just because friendship is valuable. And they also would like assistance in meeting people. Yeah. And uh, another big thing that I heard growing up, or, you know, when I became a Christian, is the false promise that God has somebody for you. When he doesn't, God doesn't. And I jokingly say, God doesn't, you know, you're not that important that God has somebody set aside for you. And you are important. I I say that jokingly because God loves every single person. You know, he knows every single person inside and out, every hair on their head. He knows them and he's very special. But he doesn't have a person set aside just for you, you know, and which is what young people are told and so they could meet somebody perfectly great and you know wonderful but eh, they're not the person god has for me because and they create in their head who god has for them or on paper or on paper this is definitely a fault of some churches youth groups whatever who you know tout the uh have the list Mm -hmm. what do you what do you want specifically and uh you know if you you know some of the Mm, the verbiage that they're using is saying things like, oh, you're praying that God gives you better transportation because your car is a piece of crap. Well, what if God answers your prayer with a bicycle? Are you going to be happy? No, you need to ask for, you know, the the Chevy Malibu with the whatever and the whatever, this color, you know, they're very, they, t- they say like if you, and th- I think this is terrible, terrible teaching, but they, yeah, they're basically saying you need to be specific uh, that applies to your spouse. And so I've definitely heard over and over in purity culture that this has been a teaching of very make a list of what you want in a spouse. Uh-huh. And yeah, has led to some yeah. uh, not great expectations. Right, because again, what and let's say God does have somebody for you. God knows what you want. You don't. You think you know what you want. So what you're looking for is completely based on things that you know nothing <laughs> what would work for you at all. Because you don't know yourself as much as you do. Especially if you're making that list before you've really started to date people. Which happens if you're doing it in youth group, you know. You, yeah. don't, you don't know anything about people and being in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, and it's something that I've tossed out there, the idea of casual dating. Just go out with people. Yeah. Just date. And just don't, and without any real expectation. Because that way, and this is what's happened to me. I learned that, oh, the things I wanted, number one, aren't realistic. Because no one person has all the qualities that you want. Number two, the things that I thought I wanted are not what I wanted at all. I thought I did because I'm, you know, superficial and, you know, and uh, an idiot. I don't know <laughs> what I want. And when I get what I want, I'm like, I realize, oh, that's not as important as I thought it was. That, like, you know, a girl who loves the movies that I love. That's not as important because she doesn't have to love the movies that I love. If she doesn't let me watch the movies that I want, well, that's one thing. But I can watch the movies that I want, and she can have her own taste. And again, the idea that I deserve somebody that's perfect for me. What about the other person? What do they deserve? And why don't you try becoming the person that somebody else deserves, as opposed to you thinking that you... Ah, it's, it's, it's really frustrating, this idea, when the real important things are very few, and very... I don't know. And... It, it's just, and I've always said this thing that the person, God, God doesn't care who you end up with as long as you're, you're looking for the person for the right reason. If you're looking for the right things, you know, if they are, you know, follower of Christ, if they are devoted to their faith, if they really truly have a, you know, a spirit to honor God, that kind of thing is important. And it could be with anybody. I remember, I'm sorry, now I'm ranting, but a friend of mine was moving, and it was our, uh, the person who married us, our, our officiant, mm-hmm. my friend Dan. He and his wife Carrie were, thought they wanted to move. They, an opportunity came up, and they, they were thinking about moving. And so they said, well, so we prayed. We prayed for God to give us an answer. Stay here or move. And God never gave us an answer. And so we decided, we realized that God doesn't have an answer for us. He just says, pick, you decide. As long as your decision is God is honoring to me, then it doesn't matter where you go. I will, I will guide you there. You know, once you get there, then wherever you decide to do. And that's what I realized. And it kind of, you know, turned on a light in my head that, oh, wait a minute. That's relationships also. God doesn't have one person set aside. He says, just go out with somebody. And if it works, then great. And if not, as long as you are really honoring me, you know, that's all I care about. And it could be with anybody. And that's the thing is that, you know, I mean, and I say this and it sounds really, really terrible, but it's not because I could be with somebody else and I could be miserable, but I would be with them. Or I could, there's probably somebody out there that I could be much happier with. But I don't want to be with that person because I fell in love with you, you know? And that's the thing that Christians need to realize. God doesn't have somebody set aside for you. You could be happier with somebody else. You could be less happy, but it doesn't matter because you're with this person. Mm-hmm. And that person is who God wants you to be with, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think that a thing that people don't realize is that, you know, if you're a whole person unto yourself, <laughs> have some self-awareness and whatnot, right. and value other people, there are a lot of people in this world that you could marry and have a good marriage with. Yeah. Now, yes, uh, a lot of things factor into that, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's not a one-person situation, and 
yeah, to and exactly what you said, that God really cares about what we want. You know, if he had one person for us, he'd basically be writing the whole story. But we have this thing called free will. And he wants us to explore and, and you know, figure out our lives and, you know, involve, you know, <laughs> you know, he's part of the process, obviously. But, but yeah, we can choose to go this way or choose to go that way. And, you know, he's ready to, to you know, be, be with us the whole way. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think that absolutely there isn't a single person. There's, there's plenty of potential out there mm-hmm. um, but it's all about our decisions and who we are as people yeah so here we are uh, this is, was that the first time he said that he loved her mm-hmm. yeah so uh, she went she visited went to dinner with uh, the the guy's family had dinner with them and it was a it was a nice scene. The family was very open to her and accepted, which reminds me of our when I met your parents <laughs> and <laughs> what, over know, spaghetti, no less. Over spaghetti, yeah, spaghetti. that's right. We had spaghetti, <laughs> as did the them in the, in the movie, and yeah, it's uh, it was a really nice little moment. I made your parents laugh. I had a really great connection with your brother over punk rock music, <laughs> and, but yeah, those. Uh, yeah, it, it's really an amazing, and it's again the the dumb stereotype that are oh the in laws have to deal with the in laws. I actually really like my in laws. <laughs> I think they're wonderful people, and I can't wait to spend more time with them. So, but yeah, this uh, have you learned anything about marriage <laughs> since we've been married? I don't know if uh, I think. Well, I don't know. I think I'd have to mine mind the depths to really pull out anything uh, significant. Yeah. Although I do find it interesting. We're coming up on our one year mark next month. And gosh, I've heard from so many people about how the first year of marriage is so hard or the first couple of years of marriage are so hard. And I don't know, maybe we're going to hit a rough patch at some point. But for the most part, God, it's been fun. Yeah. I just, I mean, yeah, of course there's tense moments, but I... I don't think, and maybe this has to do with our age too. You know, I think I've probably heard that a lot from people who got married in their twenties. And the twenty, your twenties are tumultuous for everybody. Yeah, your hormones haven't stabilized. Everything in the world is new because you know you're moving all the time and changing roommates and all of that. And so when you finally get married, it's you're still going through you know, tumultuous changes internally <laughs> with another person who's going through tumultuous changes. So I can see how that could be a bit eruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe we're a bit more stabilized as older yeah. adults, but more yeah. willing to compromise. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cause uh, we're, we're going to be looking for a house soon and we've been watching house shows. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that we always like, like when we see these couples, you know, looking for apartments, we're like, God, they just are, really picky they just want everything and we are like eh, as long as <laughs> does we... all the plumbing and electricity work yeah sweet <laughs> oh we don't like the yeah we don't like the flooring we can change that no we don't like the cabinets we can paint those yeah like it's not that big of a deal and we're willing to compromise and you know be and we're we compromise with one another right you know we kind of try to see eye to eye on things and yeah. That's, uh, and I think we've also, uh, again, when you are in your 20s and you're still 
figuring things out some of that is relating too and I think that now we're both far enough along in life to know to know how to compromise with other people mm-hmm. how to know what's really important to me what's worth standing my ground on versus what's worth going oh that's important that's more important to you I think than it is to me so I'm happy to go along with your thing on this I don't care enough you know yeah and, um and so yeah I think that that's been a nice a smoother sale than I don't think I anticipated it being bad I I think I had that with a, a grain of salt people mm-hmm. saying that it was terrible but I think we've actually had even fewer th- fights than I would have anticipated so yeah so that's uh that's great because again we I don't know what we could have thought on about you know <laughs> I, I think maybe in your thought in your head did you think oh he might get mad and then he'll we'll start a fight over that because in you know like maybe in your head you're like well i don't know what i'd get mad at and so i wouldn't be into a fight you're asking me to anticipate fights and anger because i'm not going to do that on recording (laughs) no no sure sure but what i mean is that like you know were you thinking that maybe i don't know what i would get mad at so maybe he would be the one getting mad and then we'd get into a fight over that i don't know if i gave it that much thought. yeah i mean yeah that's true who, who would think that I think you know. I mostly was, just, you know, focused on what was going to be good, and right. that has been. It has been, yeah. Yeah. So not much to fight about. And again, and things that, like, you know, I did that you're like, huh, maybe don't do that. That's <laughs> not, you know, maybe you shouldn't think that or do that or whatever. And I'm, and instead of like getting angry, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll change. <laughs> I'll change that. I won't. You know, because is it really worth... Number one, is it worth fighting about? And number two, it actually makes things better. Because, <laughs> you know, maybe leaving clothes on the floor, you know, when I when they should be in the hamper, eh, maybe I, that's a good thing. Yeah, and I think maybe that has to do with our not fighting also is the receptiveness on each other's end. I mean, we talked about kind of the more um, uh, outward, like is this something that's really important to me and am I going to fight for this versus a lot of, oh, this you, he's coming to me with something that must be important to him. Or are you saying, oh, she's coming to me with something that must be important to her. I think the way that we're receiving stuff is a big part of not having fights is giving the benefit of the doubt, not going, this, you know, oh, she's just being irritating or, oh, you know, he that's unreasonable that he's mm-hmm. asking for that. Rather just going, what... What do they want and why? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's it's really not that difficult. <laughs> in here. Well, in, in the movie, we're talking about friendships again. Yeah. Do you I wanted mean, to talk about that? I did. You know, I really love the scenes um, with the roommates, the housemates. I mean, they're kind of just, uh, you know, they move the story along in a certain way. Um, but I just really adore that we get to see those female friendships. And that was a really big part of, you know, me moving from my tumultuous twenties to my mature thirties. And I went through a lot with a lot of, you know, I, oh, I should have counted it up. I think I've lived in the past, uh, since, let's see, 20, uh, almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. I've lived in about, mm, eight or eight or so uh locations with i think close to 30 people 
uh, you know, roommates rotating in and out, moving to new houses, etc. And wow, that will teach you a lot about yourself and your interactions with others and how to live <laughs> with people. And, you know, you can see that here, you know, she, she moves from being shy and, um, you know, not sure of her place in the world to, to having these friendships with these women who, you know, want to help her relationship succeed and teach her how to eat spaghetti and, and tell her, you know, you need to get a cute swimsuit and all of this stuff. And, um, you know, I just think that there's a lot of benefit to be had from having, you know, female friendships, whether that's living with female, you know, with friends or, um, just having somebody in your life to, to really help you grow and uh, so I love that we get to see that for yeah. her she doesn't just move to the to a new country and meet a boy and that changes her life it's it's a whole bunch of things together and a lot of it is these friends that she makes yeah and again and the, the think that this is a big part of the whole notion of me talking about moving to a new place where I don't know anybody is Los Angeles was my home and it's in many part in many ways it still is. It's where I grew up. It's where I have a lot of my memories, a lot of great friends. But this is now my new home. I moved here, and I could either just hate it here forever and just be miserable, or I could learn to appreciate it and realize that there's so many beautiful things here, and this is now my home. And it's again that's kind of the the difficult part about being in a pandemic is that I don't I haven't had the chance to make this my home yet but it's close it's slowly becoming that because I'm I'm meeting people and you know I'm getting to know the place and I'm you know I haven't found we haven't found our bar yet because <laughs> nothing's open uh, we haven't found we found a few of our favorite restaurants at least for takeout. But that could, yeah, I was going to say, that could change when we start eating out and actually get to eat the food properly hot as yeah, opposed yeah, exactly. to having traveled 10 minutes to get home. I'm waiting for the cheese to harden. <laughs> but yeah, and so we that's, that's kind of the difficulty right now that we're trying to, as soon as things open up, we could I could start making this place my home. It is my home now, but I really want to grow into it. I want it to grow on me. and And that's, kind of the thing that is really important to uh, get out of where you are explore you know get to know the place where you're at because that's how it becomes your home and as opposed to just you know saying yeah this is just where i'm staying for now right you know there's some which is like again the thing that i told a lot of people who moved to los angeles you need to explore because there's so much out there that you have no idea how much is available for you in in LA and and I could say the same thing about any place there's so much in every town that there's you know people say oh that this doesn't exist here well then I'll create it you know I'll start it here you know museums and parks and you know restaurants and breweries and distilleries and all kinds of things that make a city great you know concert venues you know it's it's just yeah I'm really curious, you know, as someone who has lived here for almost 20 years, you know, I've got all my favorite places, things I can't wait to take you to, but I'm also very curious as we come out of the pandemic, um, you know, there have been businesses that have closed and thankfully I don't think that I lost any of my favorites, but there's going to be, you know, spaces for rent essentially. And so what, 
what's going to pop up, you know, like you said, there's space for, for, you know, oh, this doesn't exist, let me create it. And I'm really curious, and this is going to be, you know, everywhere, not just here, but what's going to come out of the ashes after Mm -hmm. the pandemic? What, who's going to take the jump? What kind of businesses and what kind of new restaurants and things are we going to have created from this new environment? And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sad for businesses that have closed, but I'm really interested to see what happens next. Yeah. Because again, you know, usually after things like this, there's like relief programs. Mm -hmm. So maybe those people that lost their businesses can get like a, you know, some some sort of government grant to because that will help boost the economy. But you know, whatever. But new, yeah, the new that comes up as a result. An interesting thing about entrepreneurs I've discovered is that uh, when their businesses fail, very often they start another. You know, yeah. they could go find some you know regular employment, but that's too dull for them yeah. largely. And when I did uh, I did payroll for a lot of uh, companies in the area. And found out through that, you know, oh, yeah, that person who runs that restaurant, they actually used to own, do you remember this restaurant? And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, yeah. And, and so they, they very much <laughs> regenerate, you know, and it's yeah. a different business and a different, a different bent on the type of food they made or whatever. But, you know, once a business dies, they find a way, they get the government programming, the whatever, and they mm-hmm. start something new. And I love that about entrepreneurs. Yeah. And well, and yeah, and for good or ill, because we watch the uh, you know the bar rescue show <laughs> where uh, a guy goes to a bar, a failing bar, and tries to fix it. And a big a, a big problem that he runs into often are the owners who refuse to change. Yeah, who are but that's part of the entrepreneurial spirit. It's like, no, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what you're doing is failing. You're like, no, I'm mm-hmm. not failing. The business is failing, or like my, you know, my coworkers are are failing, yeah. and they just don't want to change. Which, you know, I guess you have to have that kind of passion in order to make a business work. So I don't know. Maybe that's. <laughs> yeah, I think you gotta have a passion. Sorry, you've gotta have a passion for what you're doing, but you also do need that flexibility of uh, mm-hmm. what's next. What are we doing next? Is it something new? Are we just changing what we do, we're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely have to be flexible to run a business. Yeah. Very glad that I don't. <laughs> it's not for me. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, the, there was just a marriage proposal. It's, it's nice in the movie. I don't know how I feel about it objectively, thinking about it, because he... Uh, if we yeah we haven't been talking about the movie but uh, her sister passed away she was sick and she just didn't tell anybody and so she and so now Ailish found out and she has to go home and so her boyfriend says well you know maybe we should get married and she says so you don't think I'm gonna come back like is that why you're asking and he's like well if, if you really love me then it would be easy for you to say yes and I don't know how I feel about that. Because, again, he's a sweet guy, and he is a good person. So it is a an act of love, I feel. But the whole notion that in order to get her to come back, or because he's worried that she won't come back, he's asking her to marry him. I wonder, too, what the con- you know how much context we don't have as far as him being the son of immigrants... And living in 
you know, a city that's full of immigrants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's probably used to meeting people who fresh off the boat. And, you know, they're homesick. And, you know, yeah. what? Wh- how common was it for someone, you know, if they had to go back like that to, to not come back again? Was that a thing? I mean, we don't hear about that a lot in history of people, you know, coming to America and leaving again and not coming <laughs> back. But, but nonetheless, you know, knowing that that draw to your homeland, you know, he probably experiences that with his parents, you know, talking about Italy and that missing that culture and your homeland. Yeah. You know, he probably is pretty dang scared that she's going to stay in Ireland. And, you know, you almost really sympathize with him there. Like, that's very scary to think about, you know, the person you love being, you know, being that drawn back to their homeland. Yeah, especially because this might be a wonderful place for her, but once she's there that's going to be more attractive at the time. You know, this is a completely off, you know, a different situation. But like, you know, I, I was, I volunteered a lot at Bible camps and there were a lot of kids who were so passionate for God at camp because they're surrounded by Christians. They go to, you know, chapel every day. They have games with all these Christians and they sing all these great Christian songs and you know it's so they're so passionate for the Lord there but once they leave you know it's kind of the daily dose of God is gone Mm -hmm. and so it becomes less you know a you know it fades and so again America's great for her now because she's got this guy that she loves and her friends and everything and then she goes home and all of a sudden that starts to fade and now home you're in this place that you love and that starts becoming really attractive and that's a really good point it's it's just really difficult to remember that you know what what that ha- you know and i think that speaks a lot to who we are as people and you know people in general are adaptable and you can thrive no matter your your surroundings mm-hmm. depending on what your attitude is like and that's what we see with her, you know, she uh, was able to start thriving here. And um, if she changed her circumstance, would she thrive there too? And so. Right. Which again, it's, and it's funny because we're going to see that is when she gets home, she's going to, uh, everyone's going to want her to stay. Right. And everybody's trying to talk her into staying, which (laughs) can't help. And, uh, okay. So uh, she said yes to the marriage proposal. And so, you know, her her house mother, I don't know what to call her. <laughs> landlady. Landlady gave her this, or the room with a separate entrance. <laughs> and now she's bringing a boy home to uh, have fun. Uh, <laughs> Want to talk about sex as far as the church is concerned? We can give it a shot. All right. Mm, I don't know what to say. That hasn't... <laughs> Well, we touched earlier on purity culture. Yeah. And I definitely think, you know, that can um, that can have so well, it has a lot of negative effects. I yeah. won't say can. It does. It has some it has negative effects. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, with the again, this is kind of what we were saying earlier with um, the church now idolizes marriage and children. But it's not like anybody set out to, let's raise that up and make it the idol that we worship. You know, it was just a path that 
slowly was set, it was you know built itself mm-hmm. um, as you start to value certain things in certain ways then it's going to become the most important thing so too with purity culture you know it started out right you know people wanted to teach teens you know yeah. how how to value certain things and and but it really spiraled into some really negative um practices yeah because again the the notion is how do you get teenagers who are filled with hormones <laughs> and dumb to <laughs> to not have sex and so they created this kind of mentality this this let's teach kids about purity culture or about purity right. and they created this purity culture but right. the idea that if you have sex then it's you know you're never going to get it back and you're going to be changed in completely different, which is, uh, you know, heretical in a way that, you know, as you hear in the theme song, the opening theme song, <laughs> the idea that Jesus' sacrifice does not cover that right. is what you're teaching kids. Right. You know, you tell them that Jesus clears away all your sins, but if you had sex, you're dirty, you're not pure anymore, which is a lie. But how do you get teens to not have sex? And that's the difficulty. Right. And so it does teach this difficult, you know, this t- kind of toxic idea of, you know, what sex can be. Where I think that now more writers, you know, especially female writers, are starting to teach that you, you need to own your sexuality. Right. Enjoy sex, even if you're single. Not not have sex outside of marriage, but know that your feelings, your you know, feelings that you have aren't yeah. abnormal and you should yeah. embrace them. Right. And, you know, even things like masturbation, yeah. which is I, not... I've seen talked about more openly right. recently, and I think that's good and important. Right, because, I mean, and it's weird, masturbation isn't in and of itself sinful. There's the verse that everybody goes to of uh, <laughs> the, that guy that spills his seed, but it's but that's... And he did sin, but not because he spilt his seed. It was because he made up... God, you know, wanted him to fulfill a task, and he didn't want to do it. He wanted to enjoy the sex. He just didn't want to impregnate the girl that he was supposed to. And so he, you know, being very adult here, he pulled out, <laughs> breaking the God's command. Mm-hmm. That's what the sin was masturbation is not a sin lust is a sin Mm -hmm. lusting after somebody who's not your wife is a sin Mm -hmm. you know objectifying women is a sin but masturbation and i'm talking about this as a man but you know it's wrong for women also in those senses lusting after somebody who's not your husband blah 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 but in and of itself it's i don't see that as a sin and maybe i'm wrong but i've not seen evidence otherwise Mm -hmm. and so for single people who struggle with you know sexuality and you know the urges it's not again and anything can be an idol of course and anything can be taken too far yes absolutely but yeah in and of itself it doesn't seem to be a sin and be very helpful (laughs) yeah for for especially in a in a culture in a church run and dominated by male leadership to tell women that sex is dirty and filthy and something to avoid. And then in a world where men are obsessed with porn because it's available everywhere, they get married. Men have a certain expectation of women's sexuality. Women have been told to fear sex their whole lives. Now you're bringing those two things together 
and asking for disaster. Yeah, a man who expects Absolutely. a porn star in the in the bed and a woman who's been afraid of sex. It's just right. Yeah, and so it's just and so I think it is important to teach women that you know there's nothing wrong with them feelings. There's nothing wrong with you know wanting to enjoy sex and to embrace those urges and feelings as long as it's honoring to God because God gave us these urges you know and I gotta say speaking earlier of the Joy Beth Smith book I felt very uncomfortable reading that chapter about <laughs> masturbation because, because it's women the, don't talk about because women things. don't talk about right. it and I've never heard it put into that context right you know about <laughs> I don't know it's she says a thing about how she uh, a, a, a woman who <laughs> gives it's gonna sound weird, but when she ha- when she completes the, uh, this is an adult podcast. When she has an orgasm, she honors she, you know, I don't know, almost gives it to God, and I'm like, oh, what? Uh, made me feel really uncomfortable. But honestly, God wants us to enjoy pleasure. Right. Wants he us to created enjoy. Sex. He created sex right. and made it pleasurable. Yeah. So how you can honor God in that? As an, and again, but it, sh- I, it that goes to highlight. Or illustrate well how the church has been has managed to completely, uh, you know, through purity culture and other things, yeah, make it this this untouchable subject. Right. Um, so. Where again, teaching guys. I know it's difficult, guys, but you gotta resist it. I know you love women, but you gotta resist it. And telling women, no, <laughs> no, just no. Yeah. And that's a completely different message because again, a man. Teaching men about sexuality is one thing. A man teaching women about women's sexuality is completely different. It's it, you know, and when he yet it know, is, and yet, and yet it is what has happened right for millennia. You know, and there's a reason that it's taking so long to change these norms. Right, and again, it's the and I think we have this this idea that women don't have sexual urges. Which is a big part of it, mm-hmm. you know. There's a <laughs> there's a cartoon, very adult, very graphic, but it's a cartoon on Netflix called Big Mouth, and it's about these young boys coming of age, and the one of the kids' older sisters says to him, "You know, girls get horny too," and their heads explode <laughs> because they had no idea. Because and yeah, me too. I didn't know that women wanted to have sex. I thought you know. But again, you know, teaching boys to resist that urge and teaching girls don't give in to what boys want, as opposed to teaching them, hey, that urge is there, right? You know, right? <laughs> it's, it, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, so just yeah, just food for thought, guys. <laughs> So yeah, uh, and so now uh, Ailish is back home. I keep wanting to say Billy Ailish <laughs> comes back home and is meets a new boy. Uh, yeah. Is that cute? Because he seems to be very famous. This actor is he? Yeah. Oh, is this Domhnall Gleeson? Domhnall Gleeson. Right. And uh, I can't think of what I've seen him in. He was in the Star Wars movie. Oh yeah. Well, he was certainly not attractive in that yeah. one. Yeah. With that hair. But I guess, you know, especially... God, the drinking Guinness. It's everywhere Imagine. over there. Imagine. <laughs> is it everywhere over there? If, oh, yes, it is. Guinness is everywhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
And mind you, not a big fan of Guinness anymore. When I was young, I really liked it because you know, I, I grew up drinking beer before the craft beer boom. So Guinness was as nice as it got. Uh, and, you know, but now it's like, oh, there's much better stuff here. But then a friend brought me Guinness from Ireland, and holy cow, is it delicious. <laughs> I don't know what they do there that, they do, that they're not doing here, but man, it is delicious. It is, yeah. It's very good over there. <laughs> and I've actually, uh, I've been to the Guinness Brewery three times, and... Uh, all in one day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the first couple times I was, uh, I was 19, no, 20. And uh, unfortunately, even though I enjoyed beer, uh, that was a bit strong for me. So I would take my cursory sip and then give my beer to somebody else. Oh, so the okay. third time I could really appreciate it. It was very good. <laughs> and is the, yeah, the beer culture is much different there too, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was 20. Yeah, the first couple times, and uh, that was that was interesting. I uh, got to London uh, and had my first legal beer uh, in a pub, and uh, enjoyed drinking my way through uh, Europe uh, responsibly because I was also terrified to be in a yeah. totally different continent, yeah. and you know, I always wanted to make sure I could, you know, get to my hostel and all that. You know, I wanted to be very careful, but nonetheless, you know, developed a taste for beer, and then uh, came back to the states and was still twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that whenever I went on vacation, I would end up somewhere in the city, and I'd walk back to my room, to my hotel. And I'd stop at every bar to have a beer because that's just what I did. I just made a map, you know, on my phone. I said, okay, there's this bar, this bar, and this bar. If I end up here at the end of the night, I could stop by every bar by the time I get back to my room. <laughs> I, when I was in Portland, I decided to do that by the seventh bar on my way back to my hotel room, still having four or five to go. I'm like, I'm not going to make this. This is ridiculous. I need to stop. So... You know, but again, it, and yes, there is a alcoholism problem in Ireland. Yeah. You know, as there is, is here. Sure. But the mentality is much different about drinking. Oh, yeah. Because here, it is still seen as something, as a vice. It is seen as something that, uh, you know, not a lot of people do, or it's done in secret almost, you know. Even though bars are very much advertised and beers advertised on television and stuff, but... It is still kind of like this dirty little thing. I, I think, I don't know if I would paint it that way, but I would say that I I would argue about the drinking age. I think that that plays into it, mm -hmm. um, almost like purity culture. You know, mm. here's a thing that you shouldn't, you know, go towards, and then it makes teenagers want to go toward it, versus in places like Europe where drinking ages are 18 or I mean, heck in France, you know, you can give kids wine. Right. Um, and, and it's just a normal part of the culture. And so it isn't abused mm -hmm. as, as regularly, like you said, certainly there's an alcoholism problem in, but I think there's a lot that plays into that. Sure. And, sure. uh, but yeah, by and large, go down to the pub, have yeah. a drink. And it's just very normal, not let's go down to the bars and get smashed, you know? Right, that, and that's probably it, right? right? That here, it's like, yeah, let's get drunk. Yeah. You know, let's go party and get drunk there. It's like, hey, let's all go for a beer because that's what we do. Yep. 
Exactly. As, you know, it's a nor- It's so normal yeah. that it's not about getting drunk. It's just about, it's just something we do. Yeah. And I'm sure that they do have the partying nights where they sure. do overindulge right. and stuff. But if you just do it normally, right. you know, you can learn to control it better. Yeah. And yeah. So, and again, I'm not saying one is better or the other one's worse. It's just different. Yeah. Seen as differently. And... <laughs> Jesus, yeah, the beaches and I don't know. I've never been to the beaches. I've never even seen beaches in New York. There's got to be nice ones, right? Well, Such they're a in big Ireland state. right now, aren't they? Right, right oh, now they're in Ireland. But yeah. she went to the beach. She went to sure. Coney Island. Coney Island, yeah. Gosh, yeah, a completely empty beach in Ireland because, <laughs> because it's freaking cold. Yeah, it's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> So, have you been to the beach in New York? Um, not in New York, uh, but in Connecticut, yes. Ah, how are they there? Uh, fine, yeah. Uh, Do the waves crash in different directions there? Because it's a different part of the country? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think there's more, um, I, I want to say, more like uh, coves and jut outs. You know, the, the, ah, co- yes. the coast, the east coast, you know, it's got things like... Um, you know, Massachusetts and whatnot that kind of jut out. Sure, sure. Versus California, comparatively, is rather smooth, aside yeah. from some bigger coves like Santa Barbara and whatnot. A lot of straight lines with a very few little indents and, right. you know. Yeah, and where it's uh, very jagged over in the on the East Coast. Right. Which make their own beautiful kind of, you know, ocean scenery. Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think more, um, more uh, lighthouses, you know, rocky areas, stuff mm. like that makes a difference. Yeah, and again, because it's so, it, you know, it's so cold on the East Coast, much colder on the East Coast than on the West Coast. A lot less frequent, frequency at the beaches. Although New York gets very hot, I hear. Yeah. So, and here in California, there's a lot more sunny days. And, right. You know, so more people go to the beach. It's more reason and to go to more, the beach. And more tourist attraction as well. As far as, let's go to the beach. Okay, so we're going to go to California. Yeah. Um, more days to visit the beach, I yeah. suppose. It's amazing the difference, again, as far as the size of California. The warmth of the beaches in Southern California compared to up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, our window for swimming in the ocean up here is much smaller right. compared to down there. And that's the thing about California. There's so much more, you know, ranges here. There's the right. beach. There's the desert. There's the snow and mountains. There's the forests. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very rural areas. Right. It's, it's, a, it's such a huge state with so much going on. Right. As a result. And here's something that <laughs> she learned. She's now a worldly woman. <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, it was funny because in the when she went to the beach uh, with her boyfriend, uh, she had to change in between two towels because, <laughs> which was quite impressive to me. Right. I could not achieve that. <laughs> and then here she's in Ireland, and she's like, "Oh, you wore your swimsuit under your clothes? Why didn't I think of that?" <laughs> and so they're all changing under towels. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And, uh, yeah, and a sign, a sign of the times, I would say, but also probably occurs today, is uh, the her boyfriend is, uh, you know, back home, and he's asking his little brother 
to write a letter to Ailish for him because he doesn't know how to write very well. Because he, his little brother actually goes to school mm-hmm. and something that he didn't get a chance to do because, you know, I'm sure back in those days, you write to work as soon as you can. Right. As soon as you can hold a hammer. Yeah, well, I mean, his parents were the immigrants, right? And yeah. so they scrimped and scraped, scrimped and saved. And, um, you know, by the time he was, you know, workable age, I'm guessing like 10 or so, probably mm. had to go straight into the family business and, you know start helping contribute so then by the time obviously there's quite an age difference here yeah he and his three brother older brothers are all working so this younger brother has the opportunity to go to school and quite quite sweet that you know he's going to him for help that shows a lot of humility i think yeah but yeah and it's kind of like the sweet thing this little like nine-year-old kid is like writing because he goes to school and that's what he's you know, right. And then, yeah, it's, again, yeah, it's really, <laughs> and I love that uh, it's in his voice. Yeah. But you, the little brother, like you know, kind of breaks <laughs> interjects, in, yeah. interjects to talk about grammar. Right. And she's, uh, you know, was talked into, yeah. And so back home, the business where Alish's sister worked at, she was a a bookkeeper. And so now she's been asked to go and take over, and, you know, just while you're here, which again is kind of a ploy to get her to stay. You know, I think it's interesting. I was saying earlier that depending on the type of person you have and the type of attitude you have, you can thrive anywhere. And that mm-hmm. we would see that she she grew to thrive in Brooklyn, and she was going to go back to Ireland and thrive. But I think that the difference here is that before before she ever went to Brooklyn, she was not thriving. Mm. And so the difference now, what makes her po- able to potentially stay now, is everything that she got got from Brooklyn. You know, it really brought out in her that attitude and that self-owning. And, you know, she, I mean, on a very practical level, got her bookkeeping certificate, you know. And so when we saw her doing the payroll there, she was very confident and knew what she was doing. Well, we can apply that to everything, you know, her social skills and her um, just ability to thrive in Ireland now. Sure, she can, mm-hmm. but that's all due to what she gained in Brooklyn. Mm, and so yeah. what does that say, you know, as far as, you know, there's a reason. There's a reason. There's something in Brooklyn, something with a capital S. It's not just, it's not just her fiancé, who obviously is a huge part of that, but it's it's Brooklyn. It's yeah. It's all those people she met. It's the life that she built for herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you know, there's a, a pull there. Yeah. And that you know, I, coming from a place like Hollywood, Los Angeles, where tons of people go, and that is a very difficult thing for people who have the, you know, the desire to be, you know, actors or writers or whatever. They have to get another job to sustain themselves while they go to acting classes they go to auditions they take writing classes they you know go do one-nighters if you're a comedian trying to make the business and eventually you'll find a job that is paying pays you more and more that sometimes that i've seen that happen a lot people have to give up their dream to because now they have a girlfriend maybe they have a wife and they have to do this thing 
in order to sustain the life that they've created and the acting just isn't working out. And so they have to give that up. And sometimes it's really heartbreaking. Sometimes it's really, you know, kind of like, ah, well, you know, I just, I grew over here instead. Right. You know? And so it's got to be difficult to do that. And, you know, going to this, yeah, again, this pull, and a lot of people have to make the decision, do I stay here, keep continuing to try to make it, or do I go back home where I can, where I have to, you know, learn to, or where there might be a more, you know, more opportunities back home because this isn't working out. And that's got to be a difficult thing, too, for people who want to do something and they move somewhere to do it. And for, you know, for Ailish here, she actually has the opportunity to find a job in in Brooklyn, in in America. Right. And, yeah, we see here that uh, her husband now has been writing her this whole time and she hasn't written back because she doesn't know what to say because she's so conflicted about being home. And, again, a big part of it for her is her sister died. Now her mom's alone. Right. And, you know, now she has that, uh, you know, the responsibility, the feeling of, you know, needing to be home for her mother which is something that we've talked about with my mom. Right. You know, my mom, you know, one one by one, her kids moved out. Yeah. And she's happy about it. Not happy that we're gone, but happy that we have something, you know. Yeah, I do appreciate that she she doesn't see me as the woman who stole you away. <laughs> right. She very much loves me and, and, you know, counts me a daughter. And, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it is still sad to think that, you know... I, in a sense, I did take you from her and you're, you know, hundreds of miles away. And, and But it's something that we've spoken about. Like, what are we going to do with my mom when mm-hmm. she, when my brother moves away? Or right. when, you know, because we're going to, you know, we want to help her. Yeah. Whatever she wants to do. She wants to move back to Mexico. She wants to, she has family in, uh, in, uh, in Reno, you know, that's been asking right. her to move to, you know, they, they have a spot for her. Whatever she wants. My sister, you know, wants her to stay, you know, so maybe she, course, they'll find yeah. something there. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's that feeling like what, are, what, what can we do for our parents? Right. You know. And the nice thing is that your mom does have all those options. Yeah. And I can see in this situation why Ailish is so torn because her mom is just in Ireland with, you know, her her sister has died her i'm guessing her father has died and yeah, so it's just her mom on her own and you know it's not like she can bring her to america because you have to you know get a sponsorship and all of that it's very difficult and so uh she would simply be leaving her behind and mm-hmm. yeah that's tough and these nosy old ladies <laughs> <laughs> do they tend to be nosy <laughs> some, some. Yeah, they yeah. can. <laughs> and yeah, this is an interesting thing for Ailish that she hasn't told anybody that she got married. They kind of got married in secret, you know, right before she left. And she hasn't told her mom or, you know, any of her friends. So, you know, one of those, you know, instant marriages where you just go to City Hall. <laughs> Which, you know, at the time, it's not necessarily shameful, but especially when you're Catholic, 
you know, to not have the, the proper wedding with all of the family and everything else. It's, I can see why she would take her ring off and not be eager to spread it around because that's a lot of explaining to do for quite a few months. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, although I will say that it's quite disappointing that in a sense she let him on. She, she wasn't intentional about it. I don't think she was yeah. caught up in the being home and the and needing to be a secret. Yeah, and then, you know, oh, I I got married in secret. I can't tell anybody. Oh, right, look, there's this boy who likes you. Like, what are you going to tell him? But nobody else. It's, exactly. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you're kind of caught in a web, and in the meantime, he's falling more and more for you. And, and everybody wants you to go out with him, so you can't. You can't. <laughs> you know, you have to have a reason why why you say no. Exactly. So why don't I just go out with him a few times to, right. to you know, yeah. So it's an unfortunate situation, and yeah. but all building, all building to a moment where you know that she's going to have to, you know, <laughs> consider your situation and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing for us is that we actually wanted a very small wedding. We're thinking about just doing the city hall thing mm-hmm. because that's yeah. how not into wedding ceremonies <laughs> we were. And then we kind of had to have a bigger wedding. Not not huge, but bigger than we wanted because I said, well, my mom has to be there. Yeah, spe- uh, yes. It- yeah, essentially. Yeah, which is the the problem is with that everybody runs into. Okay, my mom has to be there, right? So you said, yeah, but then my and parents, then my have parents, to, and my brother, and then your brother. And if I have my brother, then I have to have my you know my best friend. And if I have my best friend, okay. I have to have my other best friend. And if I invite them, then I have to invite all these right. other people because everybody feels like they need to be at the wedding. So we're like, okay. So we finally ended. I think we were at about sixty people. Out of sixty people, that's what we're. That's what it's going to be. Which I was good with. I was yeah. like, okay. And again, and for me, it was really difficult to bring it down to the number that I had because, but the thing that what happened was that a cousin of mine insisted she be there. She kept pushing. Uh, This is a cousin I haven't seen since I was a child. (laughs) You know, I don't really speak to her at all. And she insisted on going. And the more she insisted... She finally said, no, you tell me when it, and I said, it's going to be very small. Like, oh, well, then I'll go there. It's like, it's probably just going to be a dinner. Well, then I want to be at the dinner. (laughs) And after that conversation, I made it, it made it so much easier for me to just cut people from that (laughs) list because I'm like, this is my wedding. The only people who deserve to be there are the people that I want there. And everybody just has to accept that, Yeah, you know? And again, the whole idea that I deserve to be at your wedding some people have a right to see that, but a lot fewer than you think. Right. You know? Right. So. I mean, yeah. And then ironically, because of the pandemic, our wedding yeah. ended up being our parents, my brother, yeah. and the officiant. Yeah. And it was perfect. And who did I have? My mom <laughs> and the officiant who was my friend mm-hmm. and his wife. Yeah. So basically just my mom yeah. and my two friends who happened to be yeah. the people that I invited. Who Essentially what we had started out thinking, but yeah. <laughs> out of necessity. and yeah. Out of necessity, but much smaller. Yeah. Just a few people <laughs> who were there. And, right. you know, and you know, we're going to have a reception, but even then, that's just going to be the few people that we were going to invite. Right, the original Minus 60. a few people who fell off because of one reason or another. Right. But yeah, yeah just uh, slightly different. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I feel like we get the best of both worlds. Yeah. So. 
And again, because the thing of it was, was that for us, we just wanted, we really didn't even want the ceremony. The ceremony was going to be as, sh- as short as possible. <laughs> the, what everybody wants is the, the, party. the party. Yeah. So that's what we wanted to give people. Okay, yeah. we have to have friends now, so let's just have a very short ceremony and then have the party. Yeah. You know, instantly. You know, <laughs> which again, couldn't we couldn't do, so we just had... You know, just again, we kept the this, this ceremony short, you know, and then a few drinks with our family afterwards. We had LaCroix while while we signed the marriage yeah. license. <laughs> Which again, yeah, great pictures that we got yeah. of my mom and your parents <laughs> signing the marriage licenses. Yeah. And oh, that was great. And then I guess who was either Dan or Carrie, my friends, were the ones that signed the witness. Because there was, my mom was the witness yeah. and then there was like a backup witness and it was one of them. Who signed it? And again, this is, uh, if, if you're watching the movie, so she goes back home, and uh, apparently the boss that she had back home, who everyone hates, is the meanest woman in the world, she said, oh, I had a, a friend's niece or something. Somebody related to her say that, oh, I saw somebody from this town getting married on that <laughs> same day. And she told me that she had, she didn't remember the name, but she described her. And guess what? I think that that person was you. <laughs> and so she found out this secret and wanted to use it against her. So again, what what I love about this movie is it makes this this twist for us, the audience, where she's the bad guy, she's the villain, and she's going to create this problem for her. And Alish, all she says was, "No, no, you, you're not going to ruin this for me." And shuts her down and says, I'm married. And this is my new name. Who I forgot. I, I missed it. But it's such a great name. This totally Irish first name. And this totally <laughs> Italian-like last name. And just says, no. I'm married. And that's that. You can't hold this against me. Again, any movie would have the boyfriend either get angry with her and cheat on her. Or, you know, one of the friends betray her. But this is just... Even the boss ends up, you know, her boss at work who was very mean to her at first, is now helping her with her, you know, <laughs> pick out a swimsuit. And all everyone just wants to be a good person, you know, except for this one person. And even then, just shut her down because it doesn't matter. Just a, a wonderful movie. And here she has her confessing to her mom, which is bittersweet. Yeah. I remember telling my mom and, you know, <laughs> telling your parents when uh-huh. we got married. Or when we got engaged. Yeah. You know, we didn't get married under the cover of night. <laughs> <laughs> so they knew they were there for the wedding. But the uh, when we got engaged, that was... And yeah, I didn't tell anybody that I was going to propose. <laughs> so that was nice. I told... Again, I still had my other podcast, Drinking at Bible Study. So I told my co-host, my friend Brandy. I remember. And the only reason I told her was because the episode was going to come out after I proposed. And so I essentially <laughs> announced that, because I knew you were going to say yes. Right. I announced that I got engaged, but the recording happened before I asked you. So I had to tell her I'm engaged. Not quite yet at the, as, as of this recording, but I will be when this comes out. And so she's the only person I told. So confident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have spoken about it. <laughs> yeah. Which is that weird thing, right? 
you know, you know, you ask because you know. Right. Some people don't. And <laughs> the whole public proposal thing. That's, you know, because I, I wonder about that. And I've said that. If it's a public proposal, just say yes to save the guy the embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then... But the, also... <laughs> Guys, just don't do a public proposal. Yeah, don't do a public proposal. And from what I understand, some guys do that to get the girl to say oh. yes. And that's the whole plan. I shouldn't is... say don't do a public proposal. Some girls just thrive on that situation. Yeah, but, but I don't that know. That was about... never appealing to me. Even if I knew I was going to say yes to a guy, I wouldn't have wanted, you know... You that. want the, I would not have the wanted marry me on the giant sky... Far too public. The, the scoreboard <laughs> in the middle of a basketball game. <laughs> or bringing a couple up on stage and have the band, <laughs> the whatever rock, <laughs> your boyfriend's favorite rock band <laughs> that he dragged you to, <laughs> you know, telling everybody that he's proposing. <laughs> oh, great! A band I kind of don't like <laughs> is proposing to me. Oh, taking one last look. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. This is. A little, uh, a little bittersweet since just earlier in the week said goodbye to my parents' house. Yeah. Uh, so Ailish, you know, just told her mom that she's engaged, which basically made her decide that she is going to go back home. She it was very conflicting before, but now she realized, no, that's my home. Right. And decides she is going to go back home to her husband. And so we saw her saying goodbye to her, her sister's room leaving a note for the guy that she's been going out with, you know. That is a tough note to get. I know. I am secretly married, and I am on the boat back to America now. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. I hope you meet someone real nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's but rough. again, this old idea of her saying goodbye to home, and you had to do that. Yeah. Your parents sold their home and are yeah. moving up here. but Which is so exciting. It's exciting. But yeah. And then you had that really difficult moment. Yeah. And here, this is the end of the movie. She's on her boat back and a, little, and a woman's talking to her. She's this other woman's first time going to America. And this is that beautiful cemetery we were talking about in the beginning when yeah. she, she herself was first on the boat and met a... Uh, you know, a, a woman who came off as a little brusque mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, knew what she was about, but then, you know, ended up sharing her wisdom and being quite kind to her. Giving her advice. And right. now Ailish is able to do this for somebody else. Right. Such a change yeah. in her from the first sailing. You know, she's got a little lipstick on, her <laughs> earrings. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing that they played, that she she wasn't wearing makeup on the way to America, and now she is wearing makeup because she's, you know, now she's more confident. Right. And this girl, who is, isn't wearing any makeup, you know, is herself learning to grow into herself. Right. And warns her about not eating. <laughs> <laughs> Passing on all the lessons. Yeah. So it's sweet, even though you mentioned uh, in that first scene that we wouldn't see that woman again. In a sense, we do. We get to see her in Ailish. Yeah. And uh, and remember her. Mm-hmm. So there you go. 
this is basically and again one of the most beautiful shots in the movie is she goes to you know didn't tell her husband that she was coming back home she's going to surprise him so she's mm-hmm. standing against a wall in that gorgeous dress and the sweater and all that and then he sees her from across the street the yeah. colors are just unbelievable those dynamic. shoes are phenomenal yeah and so he sees her for the first time and she's home so exciting yeah that's my wife <laughs> but and you know i mean for us relating to this is that you know the coming off the train yeah and seeing oh yeah absolutely you know I mean, I feel like this when you come home from work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is weird. There's pictures of me on... If you you guys follow me on Instagram, there's pictures of me in my my punk shirts, you know, with my scally cap holding up beer. I'm a tough punk rocker guy. And then here I am on this podcast, and I'm married, (laughs) and I love my wife. He's a marshmallow. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Uh, Brooklyn. I love this movie. This is going to become a tradition for us. <laughs> yeah, I work on St. Patrick's Day, and we're doing this. We're watching it early for the podcast, but right. uh, this is going to be one that we're going to be watching every St. Patrick's right. Day. because it's, Enjoying uh, the beautiful Irish accents and Gaelic singing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brooklyn. So, any, th- any last thoughts? Any last comments? Uh, we spoke about everything, you know, female friendship, relationships, a bit about sex, very awkwardly, <laughs> <laughs> moving to a new home. But yeah, because that, that, that was my whole thing is, you know, this is my new home. For better or worse, this has to be my new home because I came here to be with you. I left everything to, and again, it's, it's, I'm, I'm making it sound like, oh, I abandoned everybody just to be home. <laughs> but no, I... I, this is my new life, which is a decision that we all have to make when we get married. This is my new life. This is what I'm committing to. And I moved here for that. And this is going to be my new home. Whether you move to a new city or to a new house, this is your new home. And this is what I'm going to, and I'm going to love creating here. Our new life together, this town being my new home. When we buy a house, we're going to be (laughs) creating that new home. And yeah, and I have, and I'm going to love finding those new homes. This is my favorite. This is where I buy clothes. This is where I, you know, where we eat. I want to do that. I want to go to a bar where they know who we are, where the bartender shows up, like, hey, welcome back. What is the usual? (laughs) You know, and the thing that I, you know, the bar that where we actually, I took you to a few times, the Glen, a thing that a lot, I'm different than a lot of people in that I don't want to drink the same beer over and over again. I want to try different beers, which I've been to bars where they say, oh, another? And I'm like, yeah, and they just bring me the same beer. And I'm like, Ugh, I wanted something else. <laughs> but they're, they're, because, you know, not a lot of people do that, but I, I want that, you know, to, you know, go to a bar where they know that, oh, he's going to try something else this time, <laughs> you know? So I, I want to create a home here. I want to. Right. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. So there you go. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) (laughs) This was a great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I'm always terrible at uh, closing these out. I never know how to close out episodes. So (laughs) I, uh, 
Hank, maybe the Hank Williams way. When he was on the radio and he said goodbye, he'd always say, uh, "If the good Lord willing, if the good Lord's willing, then the creeks don't rise. We'll see you again before too long." So until next time, and then he'd play out with the guitar, which I don't have. So, <laughs> do you have fade out music? Uh, no. Oh well, yeah, I do. Well, there you go. You should cut it off about ten right seconds then. ago. Yeah, and let it that fade. All right. Well then, <laughs> goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. See you at the movies, or no, after the <laughs> movies. The next time we go to the movies, we'll see you next time. Then, not now, because now we're saying goodbye. So, and fade. See what I'm talking about? You see what I mean? <laughs> You've been listening to the Commentarians podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.